We live in a world where Tennessee football has officially reached their final road trip of the 2023 season. And we live in a world where arguably the quarterback that they're against this weekend might be the most athletic. And oh yeah, by the way, that opponent, Josh Heupel's just averaged 62 and a half points laid on him both previous occasions. It's Eli Drinkwitz. It's Missouri. It's the loveliest place in the SEC, not Columbia, Missouri. I don't have to go. These two, they do have to go. Noah Taylor, Ryan Sylvia. These guys are actually on a time crunch right now. So me even trying to tease what we're talking about, I'm wasting their time right now. Gentlemen, you guys just got done meeting with Josh Heupel. It's the last time he'll meet with the media. Noah, I'll start with you. Injuries, anything of importance? What did we learn from Josh Heupel besides he's just ready to play football and get back to Neyland Stadium? Yeah, pretty much that. Uh, it's kind of funny for a Thursday press conference, and, and Josh Heupel joked about this. It was longer than usual, but I wouldn't say that we got anything uh, substantial out of it, and that includes injuries. You know, that it wasn't really asked. It wasn't really brought up, uh, which I guess is a good sign for Tennessee, um, considering every Thursday that's kind of been the main thing we've, we've been wanting to know. Uh, I guess it kind of tells you about where the, where the team is right now health-wise, hopefully going into a critical game. But, yeah, again, a pretty typical Thursday press conference for Josh Heupel that um, went kind of longer than we expected. But, again, not, not much was said. Ryan, rebuttal off that. I will say on the injury standpoint, if you're concerned about Jabari Small, Amari Thomas, John mm -hmm. Campbell Jr., guys that did not play uh, on Saturday, I asked Josh Heupel about that on Monday. And he was just like, yeah, I mean, essentially, if we were not playing UConn, they would have played in the football game. They'll be available. The injury standpoint's fine. Uh, we, we've kind of learned at this point anyway on Thursdays that if you ask him about a player, he's just going to say we evaluate it on Friday. So it's become a little bit of a waste of time to ask about any injuries. But on the same hand, uh, there's not really anyone to ask about right now. Tennessee feels pretty healthy outside of the guys that they know they don't have available. So I expect a, a pretty – healthy Tennessee squad to, to make its trip to Missouri and, and Heupel, uh, my biggest takeaway, he was asked about his previous kind of relationship with Missouri being the OC over there. And he just said, it's pretty much business as usual. We're worried about the game. So Tennessee's ready for this top 15 matchup. Uh, speaking of injuries, I'm sitting on the air Tuesday. I'm scrolling through the X, the Twitter, the whatever you want to call it these days. And Ryan Sylvia pops up in my timeline. I'm just, Oh, what's Ryan up to? And then we get some, Luther Burden news. What is this? Um, look, I don't want to call it smoke, mirrors, gamesmanship. I will be absolutely oceanfront property in Arizona blown away if Luther Burden doesn't suit up. Ryan, what are the thoughts on concerns, looking at? He was in a green jersey this week in Como. We'll learn more closer to Friday. What are your thoughts on arguably the most electric offensive player in the conference? being limited or perhaps not playing against Tennessee on Saturday. So I talked with Power Mizzou's Gerard Hamilton yesterday uh, about the Tennessee-Missouri game. That was one of my questions was, what do you expect from Luther Burden in terms of playing, being limited, and, and all of that, and kind of what, what is the type of player he is? He said that he would be shocked if Luther Burden is not suited up on Saturday. Yeah. He said that uh, it's a top-15 matchup. If you can go – in any shape or form, you're going to go in that yeah. game when you're the type of player Luther Burden is. So 
Uh, he said he saw him dancing around at the beginning of practice. He, he was in, in that green jersey. Uh, he, he wasn't fully doing everything, but he was participating at the level that it gave uh, Gerard confidence that he would play this Saturday. I did think it was interesting, though, that, that he was listed as questionable when you had guys like Brady Cook, uh, Schrader, and, and some others listed as probable. I think he's going to go, though, and, and he might be the best receiver in the SEC this year. So that is a big deal if he is available and if he is close to 100%. All right, I'm going to ask you guys this question because, really, it's been a – well, it's been a very popular question across our social medias. I feel like I ask my neighbor when I go to collect my mail, and they're like, well, let me tell you. And it's not just a quick little statement either. Noah, I'll start with you. Tennessee right now is currently 7-2. and two. They have a chance to finish 10-2. and two. I don't think anybody thinks they'll go 7-5. and five. But I think this is a fair question. Does Saturday's game in Columbia, Missouri, does it make or break this season? Look, I'm not going to say it was a failure of a season, but if you go from, say, I don't know, potentially 9-3 and three to it looks like maybe an 8-4 and four finish, anything can happen with Georgia next week. But are we at a point in time now where this matchup at Columbia, Missouri is going to dictate success and failure or disappointment, better said, to the 2023 Tennessee season? Yeah, I think disappointment's a good word. Um for you know, if they do go in there, go in there and lose, I, I do agree. I, I think it's a very big game, you know, for I guess the the, the outlook of this year, especially because you had that Florida loss early on uh, on the road. That that's tough considering you know where Florida's been. I think you know you could lose the worst team certainly, uh, but Florida's kind of fallen off here. You know, you look at that Arkansas last week, so that that loss kind of stings more every week. But you look at how big this game is, considering how things go between Ole Miss and Georgia on Saturday. You know, you could go into that Georgia game next week with the SEC East on the line. Um, so there's a lot to play for. And, and you could get to, I guess, 500 now on the road this season, true road games this season. Because um, we, we all know what the what it looked like for Tennessee, what their reputation was under Josh Heupel in big road games. Uh, now you can kind of also quell some of that talk as well uh, in a very big game. So I, I do think it does determine that. Um because if you lose this one, the outlook of that Georgia game, it does help that it's in Neyland. It does help that you're playing at home. Uh, right. But it does – you're probably not going to feel as positive going into that game, certainly if, if the SEC East is not up for grabs anymore, which Tennessee can't control if, if Georgia beats Ole Miss anyway on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think that if you're basing this year on, on what would be a disappointment, what would be success, I think it kind of comes down to Saturday for sure. Well, we'll get to Lane coming up in a minute. Ryan? Seth, disappointment. I I don't think it makes or breaks your season. I think that it's an important game. But to me, what makes Tennessee's season is beating Alabama, Georgia, Florida, not beating Missouri. And Missouri's a good team this year, but I don't think it makes your season. I also don't think it breaks your season if you lose a, a road top 15 matchup. You're still in position to go eight and four, which is disappointing considering the preseason expectations. But I don't think it – I don't think break is the right word. So I think it's a pivotal matchup. I think it would be a big deal if Tennessee won, and it, it makes you feel a lot better about this season if Tennessee wins this game because then you're probably looking at, at a minimum of 9-3. and three. But I don't think it's necessarily a make-or-break game. Lane Kiffin in Georgia, you brought it up, Noah. And I was going to wait till the end of the video to do it, Noah. <laughs> but Noah wants to jump ahead. Anybody got anything? 
And what I mean by that is Lane Kiffin earlier this week said, we got nothing to lose. We're playing loose. They're not actually about to go down to Athens and shake up a 26-game winning streak, right? Last team to go in there and beat them in their house, their doghouse, uh, South Carolina many years ago. Ole Miss going to do it? I, I don't think so. I mean, I get where Kiffin's going. I thought his quote was interesting that, you know, I had seen it from maybe an Ole Miss beat writer. It tweeted, in those Alabama games, between Ole Miss and Alabama, Kiffin had been a little bit more uptight about that right. game, and, and the guys kind of played that way. Uh, he does seem a little bit more loose about this game, which I think, you know, it's a good attitude to have going into it, especially if you're Ole Miss. Um, heck, they win that game. You know, Ole Miss is, is looking at a potential playoff spot if everything else falls their way. So they've yeah. got a lot to play for as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think that happens. I think Georgia's playing really good football right now and, and without Brock Bowers, which is even more, you know, amazing on their part. But I think if this was earlier in the season and when Georgia's offense was looked kind of stagnant at times and was getting off to some slow starts, I would have said, yeah, this, this Ole Miss team could be, have potential to go in there and, and beat them. I think Georgia's playing really well right now, and it being in Athens helps a lot. Look at that look on Ryan's face. He's about to tell us Ole Miss is going to beat Georgia. Do it. Please just freaking hey, say it. Get your popcorn ready, as Lane Kiffin said. He said it. Do it. I find a picket team, I would take Georgia, but I think Ole Miss is a really solid football team this year. Yeah. And I think that out of all the games Georgia has played to this point, I think this is the one that is the biggest threat to them losing. So, I'll be locked yeah. in on it. I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what that looks like. But we could also see a get your popcorn ready type of game where all the, the country is tuned in on it. And then Ole Miss can't get the job done and kind of puts up a stinker. So it'll be interesting to see. I'll take Georgia, but I'm not going to count Ole Miss out in this one. I think they're a really solid football team. All right, so I'll get right to it. Tennessee quickly, because I know what everybody's thinking right now. Are they going to get to the Tennessee part of this? Yeah. Joe Milton, is he peaking at the right time? Because I don't want to say Tennessee's peaking at the right time, but gentlemen, since that 100-yard passing performance against Texas A&M, even in the loss against Alabama, Kentucky, take what you will as a barometer from UConn. Gentlemen, I don't know if you're seeing it, but I know you are. It seems like ever since they've implemented the running portion of Joe Milton's game, guess what? We're starting to see Joe Milton kick open doors and become the quarterback so many people thought he was going to be against Virginia throughout this season. Joe Milton's peaking at the right time, right? We're seeing the good, maybe great Joe Milton right now. Yeah, I, I think he is. I, I think you, you mentioned it right there. You, you kind of didn't feel great about, about where the offense was after that Texas A&M game. Uh, obviously, the defense played so well that you know, it was a big win for Tennessee. So maybe people didn't look about it, look into it as much. But man, he, he responded well in the first half of that Alabama game. And even though that was a loss, you know, there was a lot of factors that contributed to that. And Joe Milton was not one of them, in my opinion. Um, but his, he's played really well. That was talked about today, too, with Josh Heupel, um, the importance of fast starts. And, and that's something that Tennessee was really good at last year, was putting yeah. teams away kind of early. You're starting to see that a little bit. Bama obviously overcame it, but. You rode that fast start against Kentucky the whole way. You never trailed in that game. Um, obviously, UConn was was a good one to get out there and have this offense kind of carry some momentum that they've built over the last couple of weeks. But I think he's playing his best football right now, and I think that receiving core is playing its best football. We were kind of, you know, I I think I said on this show, I can't remember when that I, I kind of thought maybe the receiving core was what it was, you know, at that point in the season. Maybe it wasn't right. going to get any better. 
And gosh, I, I've been proven wrong on that. They seem to be playing a lot better. You know, Ramel Keaton, the guy who's struggled with some drops this year, has a, you know, catches one wide open on Saturday. Dante Thornton, who had a lot of high expectations coming in, he's been a consistent target since that Kentucky game. So I think that's obviously helped Joe Milton be better is the pieces around him are also peaking as well. Ryan, I think what Joe Milton's doing right now is, better said, what Josh Heupel's doing right now, he's making sure the play calling is what Joe can do. You know how you know how sometimes he may not be – find something that's comfortable. My nephew, when he comes over, he ain't going to eat his peas, so I'm going to squirt a lot of ketchup and chicken nuggets on a plate, and I know he likes ketchup and chicken nuggets. Are we giving Joe Milton ketchup and chicken nuggets and go, all right, let's stay away from the peas, let's give him more ketchup and chicken nuggets, and he's excelling. You can say that. I, I think that the play calling this year is very visibly different than the play calling was last year because Hennon Hooker and Joe Milton are very different quarterbacks. And uh-huh. Josh Hypo is making sure that Joe Milton is in positions that he's comfortable in. But I, I think the biggest difference is what Noah was hitting on at the end, which is the wide receivers. Dante Thornton stepping up and, and finally making it look like it's clicking for him, I, I think has been a really big deal. And they're, they're giving Joe Milton – opportunities to make plays because earlier in the year you can put a lot of blame on Joe Milton but he didn't have a lot of options to throw the ball to open receivers now we're starting to see Squirrel White uh, get open over the middle of the field we're starting to see Dante Thornton put pressure on these safeties to, to make a decision who are you going to help on and then when those plays do open up Joe Milton's been really accurate he's been really solid and then that game you mentioned it earlier too. I think is making a big difference. Defenses have to respect his ability to scramble, but he's also showing now he can get out of the pocket and keep his eyes down the field and make throws outside of the pocket and on the run. Ryan, yes or no? Missouri ranks fifth in the SEC, allowing only 114 rushing yards per game. Fifth. Does Jalen Wright get yet again another 100-yard rushing game? It would be his seventh in ten games if he's to accomplish it Saturday. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take Jalen Wright over 100 rushing yards. There, there doesn't seem like there's anything anyone can do about Tennessee's rushing attack. And it, it's a different style of rushing attack than you see from a lot of other teams. Schrader for Missouri is really good, but he's not put in the same situations Jalen Wright is. And when I say that, I mean you pick up 15 yards and you move the chains, and next thing you know, you know exactly what's coming. Everyone in the stadium knows Jalen Wright's getting the ball up the middle on his own read. And he's still going to get eight yards because your defense isn't ready for it. So Jalen Wright is a really phenomenal back. The offensive line is playing its best football right now, I would say, that they have all season with Cooper Mace finally in the full swing of things after he missed time. I think Jalen Wright's going to get put in a position where they're going to pick up those first downs. He's going to get the handoff, pick up eight, get the next handoff, pick up five, get the next handoff, pick up seven. And they're going to rely on him a lot. And he should, by the end of the game, with the help of maybe busting one or two for, for some big yardage, get over that 100-yard mark again. Noah, there are a lot of things in this football season I could believe and some I couldn't believe. The fact that we're in November and Tennessee's number one rushing in the SEC and number one at stopping the run in the SEC, I mean, that kind of talks to not only we know how good Tim Banks's defense has been this year, I think we need to start giving some credit to this offensive line and Glenn Ellerby, who we all, I think, admitted, maybe Ryan at a different time, what you read, what you write up. At different times, it seems like maybe we have hinted this is a significant downgrade whenever you lose guys like Jerome Carvin and Darnell, uh, and, and Darnell Wright. This offensive line needs to get some credit. Some others would say, well, God, you spread out the offense. Of course you can run – 
they still got to get credit for what they've been able to do, even times this Kentucky game. Injuries, injuries, piecemealing and moving the chess pieces around. Glenn Ellerby needs a hat tip, and I'll give that to the offensive line coach. Yeah, absolutely. And and we, you know, talked to Ollie Lane this week, and you know, he's one of those guys that's had to move around a lot, you know, because of those injuries. Right. And you know, he, he said it, man. It, there's they take a lot of pride in where this offensive or where this run game ranks right now in the SEC. Uh, they, they're kind of the unsung heroes behind it, like you said. But um, that kind of seemed to be a point of emphasis for them. And we talked about it, I think, in the spring too, and, and in the off season, how important mm-hmm. ba- how important balance would be for, for this Tennessee, because like Ryan said you knew there was going to be some differences between what Hinden Hooker brought and what um, obviously what Joe Milton brought as well. Uh, it, th- those guys t- have taken a lot of pride in what they've done. Um, and like Ryan just said, a hundred plus yards for uh, Jalen Wright. I'd, I'd feel comfortable making that bet as well because you look at what that line has gone up against this year. Texas A&M came in at the time with the best run stopping defense right. in the SEC Tennessee, that, that's what won them the game outside of special teams and defense was the fact that they were running the ball really well. Uh, Kentucky had a very good run defense as, as well. And so I, I think I, until somebody stops it, I, I just don't see that happening. And not, that offensive line is a big reason why. Gentlemen, a few more minutes with you because I know you guys have got busy Thursdays where you got to go home and pack. And I, I know I joke around about Bucky's and things of that nature. As somebody who has made that drive before, Noah, I think you've shared a story with us before. You covered a <laughs> high school game and then drove to Missouri the next day for a noon kick. Yeah, it yeah, was. You're uh, freaking, okay, no. Ryan, luckily, we get a, We'll have a night. <laughs> we'll have a night this time to. Uh, to he's prepare. a freaking psychopath, Ryan. <laughs> let him have the auxiliary cord and and just let him play. His music. That's that. That's straight jacket nut. <laughs> it is. It is. This is probably the two questions I think are the most important. If I had keys to the game, boys, um, gentlemen, we haven't heard James Pierce's. Now. Okay, UConn aside, UConn aside, everybody chill out, UConn aside. Tyler Barron had a scoop and score. The major conference games, it seems that the offensive lines have made a point of emphasis to go, these guys aren't beating us. So make sure Barron, Pierce, and Omar Norman Lott, the front four with Amari Thomas. I think it goes without saying, gentlemen, if you let Brady cook, cook, then there's a chance it could be a long day for Tennessee. Do you guys even want to tell me or even try to morph up a draft plan on how you slow down arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the conference that doesn't get anywhere near the respect? Because you guys know it's coming, and I know it's coming, and the viewers and listeners know it's coming. It's third and long. He's back in shotgun. Tennessee steps back in coverage. He's going to extend a play with his legs, and he's going to move the chains, and there's going to be a spike in television prices on Monday because everybody has to replace their flat screens. You know the third down run's coming. How do you find a way to get to this quarterback and slow him down? Yeah. Um, sorry. The sound of progress behind me. Uh, no, no, starting no. To pick up. The sound of your gears turning going, I don't have an answer because not a <laughs> yeah. lot of people had it. Yeah, you know what? Fair point, and you know it's coming. Yeah, and, and, you know, I go back to last year. I don't have the stats in front of me, and, and I could be way off. I remember this game being – I do remember this game being close in the third quarter. I think Tennessee led something like 28-24 before that that onslaught in the fourth quarter. But Brady Cook was doing similar things to keep Missouri in that game. Um, so they have the blueprint for it. But like you said, how do you stop it? I don't know. I don't know that – you know, Rodney Garner was asked about that this week as well when we talked to him on Tuesday – 
teams know that teams respect the hell out of Tennessee's pass rush. And mm-hmm. it's they when they, they've seen what they were able to do in the first half of the season, you're seeing teams play better against it. I, I don't know what they're going to have to draw up to get past that. But I imagine t- uh, Missouri is going to be no different. That offensive line is going to put an emphasis on stopping that. And like you said, Brady Cook's the guy that, that can make them pay. And uh, we've seen some with Kamal Haddon down. I know now I'm getting into the secondary, but we've seen some situations too the last couple of weeks with Kamal Haddon out. You look at Darren Leary or Devin Leary, sorry, where quarterbacks have been able to take advantage of that too on the run. So, um, yeah, it, it's something they're going to have to shore up for sure. A uh, couple names. This is where people start booing me. couple names who have been suspect in that secondary. Uh, it's Marion McDonald. He's one that comes to mind. Um, Danico Slaughter has had a rough time since he's been shoved into action. Jalen McCullough at times has been lost in no man's land. But granted, he's playing center field and trying to make sure he actually hammers down some coverage. I'm not going to hit on him too hard. But the weak points seem like that they're showing right now. But Ryan, the original question, even want to attempt a prescription on how to cure Brady Cook? I mean, if you ask Heifel, Rodney Garner, Tim Banks, they're going to give you the, the run of the bill. Well, we need to keep contain and we need to have gap integrity. And that's true, but th- this is a different beast. And this is going to be tough. And you're going to give up some plays that you want back and some third down conversions that you felt like you should have gotten off the field on. That's going to happen. I think they just need to limit it. Against Jalen Milrow, a guy that can obviously run against better Spencer Rattler, a guy that can right. leave the pocket and run or throw. I feel like they did a pretty good job at it, but it, it, it's going to be tough against Brady Cook because of the level he's played at this year, which personally, I mean, I didn't expect him to, to take this leap that he has. People forget that going into this year, there's a quarterback battle in Columbia. Brady Cook, obviously the, the right choice there. So it, it's tough to, to say that here's the magic formula and this is what they need to do. And if they do that, they'll be fine. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with the secondary sticking with, with receivers playing uh, zone coverage. Well, cause we've seen the last uh, couple of weeks, I, I feel like that zone coverage ha- has been a little loose and that's where they've gotten beat a lot, but whether it's zone or man, you've got to stick to your receivers and, and take away those options from Brady cook and give your defensive line a little bit more time to get home. Guys, I think that this is pretty obvious, so I saved it for last. Well, it was going to be second, penultimate, but then somebody brought up Lane Kiffin at the eight-minute mark. <laughs> Ryan, you get two of his wings next time that we get together for lunch. <laughs> that's yeah, I don't, that's that, only fair. Yeah. That's only fair. That's probably the closest to dieting I'll get right there. <laughs> Honey, I swear to God, but Ivan just keeps saying, roosters, roosters. Excuse me. Some place on Rocky Hill that serves wings. Yeah. Somebody is watching this video right now going, hmm, paid endorsement. See it coming. Um, <laughs> they have been stopped once in the red zone this year. Missouri has the highest red zone efficiency in all of college football. Tennessee, not too swell when it comes to slamming the door within 20 yards. Guys, low-hanging fruit. If there's any game, Tennessee must direct deposit six and three. Gentlemen. Anybody disagreeing? Anybody want to add to this plate? It's like Thanksgiving. Just drop it in there. There's no team that Tennessee can ill afford to ill afford to lose train of thought against within 20 yards because Missouri, they are as good as direct deposit than your local bank. Yeah. No, they're going to have a question to- in there. Yeah. yeah. Can Tennessee <laughs> actually match them red zone for red zone trip because they're going to have to. 
This is yep. one of those games they're going to have to get crazy, hit on 20, hit on 19 at the blackjack table because Missouri, they're good as gold. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They're going to have they're going to have to, you know, match that. We've obviously seen some games this year where they overcame some of those deficiencies. You go back to the Kentucky game with Charles Campbell, but that's a Kentucky offense that that night was hitting pretty well th- throwing the ball, but you know, kind of didn't take advantage of it in the red zone. Like you said, this is a different team that they're going to be playing uh, in Missouri. That t- I mean, I got the game notes right here that we got today. It looks like 97% in the red zone uh, for this Missouri team. Yeah. Um, I I don't know that – I mean, I guess the question wasn't, do I think Tennessee will win the game? I, I have, haven't really thought of that one yet because I know we'll have our, our predictions tomorrow. But – that's going to be key for Tennessee to do it because I don't know right well, as how I you answer this. No, how you answer this question is going to tell me everything I need to know if you think this team's going to win. I'm blown away. Tennessee's a favorite on the road. Yeah, I really do yeah. believe that they're split down the middle. But by based on how you answering that question, I don't have to set you up for that lazy ass. Do they win tomorrow? Yeah, do they win on Saturday. Do you think they're going to screw that? Do you think they're going to cash in when you need it the most? Because we all can do simple SEC math, score points, or get shown the door. I- I don't know, man. I, I don't know that they can match that. I, I don't I mean if, if we're going to get into a game where it's a shootout and, you know, you're getting inside the 20 yard line, which I think Tennessee's offense, the way it's been playing is capable of doing, you know, they, they've got to pay that pay those uh, red zone trips off. But as I sit here right now, I'm, I'm going to go with the the easy answer and say, I, I just don't know. I don't know that they'll be able to match um, match them red zone trip for red zone trip and, and pay it off the touchdowns. I don't know if that word salad is suffice. That was. We don't do salads. We don't do salads here. We do wings. And now you're about to give all your wings to Ryan. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, he, Ryan, he just freaking Saturday night fever boogied off that dance line. Will you just tell me what's going to happen? When you look at the Alabama game, Tennessee lost that game because they couldn't score in the red zone. Yes. When you look at the Kentucky game, they settled for a lot of field goals. And yes. That was why that game was so close. So it is a big area of concern. I think Tennessee takes a step in the right direction this weekend. I think that they punch it in more than they settle for three. And I think that that could come on Heifel knowing the situation he's in and saying, it's fourth and goal. We have about the seven-yard line. We cannot take three here and expect to win this football game. I, I think Heifel is going to realize that field goals aren't going to win this. They're going to have to get creative in the red zone. And I think that they take a step in the right direction. They score enough to win in the red zone. I think it's going to be close. And I think that defense, which UConn got that ball at the one-yard line. It's UConn. But UConn got the ball at the one-yard line. Tennessee came in and stuffed it. Tennessee did that a couple times against them. I think the defense holds Missouri to three one or two times when they're in Tennessee territory. I think the offense gets aggressive, gets creative, finds the end zone one or two more times than they probably should. And I think Tennessee sneaks out a win due to maybe not dominating that that position on the field, but being effective enough to make the difference. You know, here comes Tyler, video game coach, quickly. All those times where they're settling for three and they're on the six or seven yard line, I immediately say to myself, okay, you got points. What are the chances if you don't get it that your defense is going to give up a 93, 94 yard drive? Yeah. Probably I'm get a good field time. position right back. Yeah, okay. I hate to go back to the scab <laughs> ripping of Alabama, but there are times when you go for it on the 50, 48 yard line on four and three, four and two, and you go, 
your defense got you where you are right now. You don't you don't want to give them a chance. Like like mm-hmm. if I go to a fight down an alley, I'm gonna call my buddy Mike Cal. I'm gonna bring the biggest guy I can to the party. Like I'm not dumb. I, I don't. I'm not. The, the questions are just sometimes. Sometimes I know people say let's gamble with the offense because you're deep in the red zone or you're deep and you have a chance to score. I think Tennessee is okay to gamble with their defense this year, and I don't think the loss yeah. of Kamal Haddon is gonna make people go. Oh no, we go. Oh, oh. No, it's just like, you know what I mean? These guys yeah. can go out there every week. You already said it. They respect Tennessee's rush attack, their front seven. Guess what? Let Aaron Beasley loose once or twice. Let some of these cats rip through and go, all right, let's see you go 93 yards. Yeah. Sometimes things just happen. Why don't you see what happened every time Tennessee put Max Johnson and Texas AM deep in their own territory? Sometimes things just happen. Okay, Ryan Sylvia answered all the questions, already said that Tennessee's going to win. I appreciate it. Noah Taylor's just over here just like, dude, I'm ready to drive to Noah. Or I'm just ready to drive to Missouri. <laughs> what are, you, are you guys stopping in St. Louis to watch the uh, Wisconsin game, the Shop Cheddar game? Yeah. Yeah, we'll stop through. That's where we're going to stay and, and kind of break up the drive a little bit and uh, obviously watch some Tennessee basketball, a huge test for them uh, against a Wisconsin team that um, – Somebody told me before the show that returned 92% of their scoring. Can you believe that? No, I can't believe that. I think you might want to check your facts because that's the type of guy who seems like he just reads things and it's just like, oh, let's let's fact check that. No, no, let's not fact check that. This is an excellent time for me to tease the fact that coming up here on the Checkerboard Chatter, we're going to be chatting with gentlemen from the University of Wisconsin about what we need to know about Greg Gard's team. But you care about football because it's still football season. Do you subscribe? course you do you need to see what these two cats are doing when it comes to the message board and the stories they're writing some really in-depth great pieces not only that but how many people do you subscribe to that actually have feet in the facility that actually know the injury reports and know about where this tennessee team is heading look you know what you're thinking beat missouri focus on georgia the vols if they finish nine and three this year hell they finish ten and two this year can you imagine back-to-back new year six appearances It's on the table, and they need a little bit of help from some guy named Lane Kiffin. Ryan, Noah, stay out of trouble. I don't have any friends in Missouri that can call you at 2 a.m. to be able to get you out of situations. And if you don't have enough money because of what rivals pays, then make sure you wear a fake expensive watch so you can try to trade it out like you're in Tijuana, Mexico. You think I'm kidding. I have had a friend who came back without his watch to get out of Tijuana, Mexico. You you just made that up. I'll connect you with him. He's a great guy. He just doesn't have a watch anymore. Guys, enjoy the trip. This is the Checkerboard Chatter. Thank you. Thanks, guys.